You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Looking downstairs, okay, we got one over here, we got one here, down front and over there. Anybody upstairs, looking upstairs, no? You're online, I cannot see you, okay? But uh, we have one down here, anybody else? Oh, another one, right down here, the teenager who's matching her mom perfectly, all right? Not to embarrass you two, okay? Anybody else? A pen? Now you're not going to raise your hand, you're like, I'll just do without, <laughs> Anybody a pen? Okay. Oh, we have another one. Oh, oh, Brother Jace, right down here. Sorry, forgot uh, pointing him out there. Matthew chapter 28, and we're ending our series tonight on uh, digging in, discovering the treasure of the Word of God. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I think if I were to redo it, I would do things a little bit differently, but I hope that you, were, you could take it and learn some things in there. I think I gave so much information at times. And let me just say this. I said this on Sunday. I want to say it again. If I gave too much, and I, and I did give a lot of information, if I gave too much information through this to the point that it discouraged you, don't listen to it. Just go and just keep reading your Bible, okay? Because I know sometimes, like, if I'm learning something new, and someone's given me like in, in all these instructions and I'm not understanding a thing of it, I can be like, thanks but no thanks, okay? And so if that's what you got from it, don't, don't get discouraged. You just keep reading your Bible. That's good. Just You keep doing that, okay? And then maybe as you go through, you can take one or two things that were taught and apply them into your Bible time, okay? So I, wanna, I, didn't wanna, I wanted to say that because I, I know some of you are loving this. You're digging in. You downloaded the apps I recommended. I mean, you're, you're doing all this kind of stuff, and that's wonderful. But if there was a couple of you like, man, this is just a, a lot of information, then just, just keep doing something, okay? Just be in your Bibles. That's, that's the important thing is to be in the Bible every day. Now, let me just say something very important before we get in. A Chicago dog is a hot dog that has mustard on it, and uh, are the deacons listening? And then it's got chopped onions, then it's got little little peppers. I don't know what kind of peppers those are. What, do you know what kind of peppers those are? Pepperoncinis, are they? Thank you, Miss Sylvia. God bless you. And it's got tomato in it, and, uh, and, and like a relish on top. Now, here's the thing. I don't even care for hot dogs, but I would eat a thousand chili, uh, Chicago dogs because they are good. I'm just throwing that out there. I just felt led to say that. I don't know why, but uh, it's really easy to make, guys, real easy. All right, Matthew chapter 28 in your Bibles. If you... <laughs> Two deacons just walked out. <laughs> Thumbs down, really? No one's buying the hot dogs then. All right, Matthew chapter... We're boycotting the hot dogs. No, I'm just joking. It'll be great. I love getting together with Sunday Night Fellowship. I, I love it so much, so we'll have a good time. Uh, Matthew chapter 28... Our last session, our last, and I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm going to probably be stationed right here tonight. We'll be moving around a lot, so I won't be able to keep your attention with my, with my cat-like reflexes and moving across the platform. So you'll just be right here. But um, I, I do want to say that even though this is the last one tonight, this lesson at first, you may think, I don't need this. But you do need this lesson. This is a message or a lesson on preparing a Bible lesson. And so it's teaching all of God's people, how to prepare a lesson. And you may think, well, I don't plan on teaching, so why would I need that? Aha, 
I will give you several reasons why. But let's look at Matthew chapter 28, please, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and do what? Oh, who's that for? Is that just for the apostle or for every Christian? For every Christian. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. What's the next word? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So write it on the sheet here, write this in. Every Christian is given the command to teach others. That doesn't mean you're going to be a Sunday school teacher. doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher. doesn't mean you're going to be standing up doing Bible clubs in the park, which I hope we can do soon. But, uh, but you are supposed to be teaching. Okay, so in a manner of speaking. Second Timothy, and you can just write this reference down. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou also to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So what's our job as Christians? We learn something. We, first of all, we got to learn. we got to be taught. And when we're taught something, we take it and we do it, and then we take it and teach it to other people too. So teaching is absolutely a part of every Christian. Uh, it's just a matter of where do you do it? How do you do it, right? So every Christian needs this tool in their toolbox. Even if you're not going to be a Sunday school teacher or be filling in on Wednesday night when pastor's on vacation, even if that's not what you're going to do, this is a valuable tool. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to tell you why you need to learn this and then how to do it. Father, we pray for your help tonight, for your blessing upon the service. Instruct us, give us wisdom, and I pray that, Lord, even tonight this lesson would stir up some of our people, some of your people, to be willing to be used in the area of teaching the Word of God. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How does it help me to learn how to prepare a Bible lesson if I'm not planning on teaching a Bible lesson? This is for every Christian in here tonight and every Christian listening. Let me give you several reasons. Number one, it helps you to learn passages better. It helps you to learn passages better. We have said it before, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And so when you are, if you, I, I taught English in our school for several years. You know what? I thought I knew English. I thought I was like, hey, I did well in English. I got a better grade in English than my wife did. And she is smarter than me. And she's still better. You see the, you see the head wave? See this? <laughs> so there's this long story there, but she thinks... She thinks I was a teacher's pet, but I wasn't. Anyway, I, I just got a better score. It was like by point two points or something crazy like that. But I just love to rub that in every 20 years or so. Anyway, it helps you to learn. But when I got into English here, and I started teaching 7th and 8th grade, then 9th and 10th at these different grade levels, I realized, oh yeah, I don't know this as well as I thought. I'm having to learn clauses and, and gerunds and infinitives and participles and all that good stuff that all the teenagers love to learn, right? And I, and I had to learn that stuff again. Because I had just lost that knowledge. But can I tell you something? I think I know it pretty well now that I've taught it for several years. I haven't taught it in many years. But, but it helped me to learn that language better, the language that I speak. What happens when you study scripture is you learn the passage better. When you begin outlining something, you learn it better. Brother Bertram, who will be here next week, he taught me, uh, and uh, I was talking with him in his office a couple months ago, and I happened to be up there in the area, and we were talking, and he said, here's what I do, and he was so excited to show me, he put out a little notebook, and I told you before, he, he takes a paragraph of scripture every day, a, a section of scripture, he's in Ezekiel, he was anyway, and he outlines that paragraph to find out what does it mean and give points about it, and he'll, he's, he, he's doing what we're going to do in a minute, 
And what happens is when you can do that, you're learning something. You're understanding something. So preparing a lesson really does help you learn more about it. Secondly, it helps you to learn to look for applications. When you have to teach a lesson, or, you, or you're preparing a lesson even, if you're not going to teach, but you're preparing, what, is it, what do you have to do? You have to look for application. It's not, you, you don't just come and, and give people knowledge. No, you want to apply it. And so when you're learning scripture and you're studying for a lesson, you're looking for applications. That's a great thing. Miss Lily, Lily's back here. She was talking to me on Sunday. I hope this is okay to share this story, Miss Lily. Am I embarrassing you? It's too late. But uh, she, she was telling me about, after the Sunday morning message, she went home and researched some stuff. And she was telling me about something from the message she said. And I said, okay, what does that mean to you? And she told me, she said, this is what I got out of it. And what happened was she was looking for applications. That's what you're supposed to do. And so that's a great thing that happens. It forces you to develop biblical thoughts. It helps you to interpret what Paul said here and what that means for me now and what it means for others. It's a great thing. It's a great thing, and it's a great help to you. And, and by the way, it's just like developing muscles. It takes practice and exercise, and the more you do it, the easier it is, the stronger you are at it. Number three, it helps you bring truth home to your heart. When you are preparing a lesson, and you're looking at the scripture, and you're starting to ask questions of application, and you're starting to ask questions uh, that, that you may present to other people, or even just for your own Bible reading, it starts to bring that truth home to you. And I'll show you how in just a little bit. Number four, it helps you get more from the messages at church. When I learned how to put messages together, I saw my pastor's messages in a brand new light. I was like, wow, that's really good stuff. Because sometimes you can hear a message, and I like that we have the points on the screen now, because before time, like, I could be saying something, and, and, and to me as a teenager, messages seemed like just a long list of something that people said. Right? It, just, it didn't seem like it had any rhyme or reason to it at times. You know, as a young teenager just listening, it sounded like the pastor just got up and started talking for 35, 40 minutes. But when I started realizing, oh, there's an order to this. There's a structure to this. There, there is a point-by-point -point process. There is explanation. There's application. There's illustration. There's all this type of stuff. It opened up my eyes to a lot of the truth I was hearing. I think that will help for you as well. And when you start preparing lessons, lessons, you'll notice that the messages you hear from other people make more sense and are more interesting to you. Because why? Because you've seen behind the curtain, so to speak, and you know how things work. So understanding outlines and how messages are prepared helps you follow the message better when someone else is teaching or preaching. So number five, another reason why this helps you is because it helps you be prepared in case God does want you to teach. I was one that used to say, I could never do that. I would never preach or teach. And look at me now. <laughs> God has me preaching and teaching four times a week at least. And so you never know. And by the way, I'll challenge you. You better not tell God I won't. Because he might say, you will. So be careful about that. You know, but... Uh, it helps you to be prepared. Because look, there, there are times where we need people filling for classes and different things. And I'm not going to come to somebody who's never prepared a lesson, who's never worked on this, who's never grown in this area. You, you know, we need people that are actively working on learning how to take a biblical truth that meant something to them and put it in an organized thought pattern so they could give it to other people. That is a skill that every Christian needs to have. 
Whether you're, you know, whether you're sharing something you got from uh, uh, in your family time with your family, or you go to a family reunion, or you get asked to speak for your Sunday school class, to share a devotion or whatever. We all need this. We all need this, and uh, we do need more backup teachers as well, too, so this is a good thing to start training, all right? So it can help you in many ways. I think there are other ways as well, but I'm going to leave it with that. Let me give you some guidelines tonight, some guidelines for preparing a Bible lesson. These, I, I'm trying to simplify them down very, to, to very bare bones. Now, I also want you to take a look on the back of your sheet, okay? Do you see on the back of your sheet, you should have a sample outline at the top from John 3.16, and on the bottom, there is a, a blank one from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Okay, so we're going to do a little back and forth here. So uh, we're going to look at points on this side of the paper uh, as far as the guidelines for preparing a lesson. Then I'm going to show you how it applies. I went through John chapter 3, verse 16, a little bit yesterday and, uh, and today, and just wrote down a quick outline just to kind of show you how to do this. And then I'm going to give you a little exercise. And you cannot leave church tonight. The doors will be locked and locked unless you finish this. Okay? All right, so here we go. Uh, number one, on the guidelines for preparing a Bible lesson. This should be, th you're going to know this one already. It should be simple. Start with your Bible reading. Don't start with the horoscope. Well, cancers are, uh, are supposed to be more outgoing this month. No. No. I saw something on the news, and now I'm going to find a Bible verse to back up my thought. That's eisegesis. We talked about that. That's dangerous. Don't do that. And, many, and I think many preachers and teachers do this sometimes. Well, they'll hear something, an idea will come to them, or something will come up on TV or social media, and then they'll run to the Bible and say, okay, let me find some verses to back up what I think. Now, here's what I want to say about that. First of all, you, you are perfectly allowed to get message ideas from other places. You can hear some, some of the best messages I have preached have come from me sitting right down here listening to other preachers. And they said one comment, and I thought, you know, I want to research that. And you know what? That reminds me of another passage. And I go, but, but the thing is this. Here's the difference. You have to be careful that you're not getting your idea from some social media meme that you saw from some spiritual website or something, and now you're going to find out how to back it up. Anything you preach or are going to teach should come from the Bible. In other words, if you don't find the Bible, you don't preach and teach it. I don't care how great the, uh, the, the idea is. I have heard, you know, many preachers, including me, have said uh, Bible study has ruined a lot of great messages. And what we mean by that is a joke, because what we're saying is we had this great message in mind. Then we went and studied the Bible, and we're like, oh, that's not what that means. And it ruined that great message we had. I told you before, when I was in Bible college, my first year, I came back for that Christmas. I had preached like four messages in my life. And I came back and my pastor said, hey, I want you to preach this Wednesday night. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be great. I'm going to bring her a Bible, you know, and a uh, stupid college student. And so I, I got a message ready out of Genesis, and I was ready to preach it. And uh, it was about Nimrod, the mighty hunter before God. I told you before. And I was preaching about how we need to be like Nimrod. First of all, Nimrod is a name we use as like slang for dumb person, right? Don't be a Nimrod. But secondly, that wasn't it. Nimrod was an evil person. 
It was, you know, you can trace it through history all that has come from him and from his lineage and from his son and all this stuff and his horrible stuff, like even cults and stuff we see today are traced back to him. And I was going to be ready to preach that message, and God intervened. I'm talking a snowstorm came through Illinois, and, was, and when Pastor called and said, hey, we're not having church tonight, there's a foot of snow on the ground, two feet of snow, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, okay. And I went back to college, and I'm studying Genesis, and I'm like, Thank you, God. Didn't look like an idiot, more so than already, you know, or whatever. And, but it, you know what? Bible study would have ruined a great message. I had a great message ready. That's the problem. Go to the Bible first. Go to the Bible first. That's where it starts, okay? You can develop those messages, but make sure it is biblical, not that you make it biblical. Okay, that's the difference there. And you need, and we, we all need to have a strong foundation of Bible reading. Anytime, especially, you say, well, I don't need, I'm not going to teach. Are you a leader? Are you a parent? Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Are you a husband, a wife? Are you a teenager that's leading? Uh, yes, you do need it. You do need a Bible foundation. Absolutely you do, because you're leading others. And uh, God will speak to you through the book. So you need that Bible foundation. And once you have that foundation, what the cool thing is, is once you study the Bible and you get a biblical foundation, when you do hear something, you're able to say, that is in the Bible. That story right there completely applies to that, and your mind will begin working and connecting dots, and it's super cool when you can do that. Number two, so you start with your Bible reading, but secondly, get a seed thought. A seed thought. What is a seed thought, okay? A seed thought is, is the beginning of an idea that will bloom and give rise to other thoughts. Uh, it's an idea that's not fully formed yet. So many people say, Pastor, uh, uh, you know, where do you get your messages from? <laughs> I'm like, the Bible. But anyway, um, where do you get those messages? How do you come up with them? Okay? And, and in, if you go look at my college Bible, and I, and I, for, I was going to bring it, in the back of my college Bible, uh, there, you know, usually in a lot of Bibles there's blank pages like this. If you look at that college Bible, you'll see columns of just a verse or a phrase or a thought. And all I was doing in college was writing down seed thoughts. Something that I read my Bible, and it stuck out to me, and I thought, hmm, that's good. There might be something there. It's a seed. So when I start plowing the field, when I start going back and thinking on it, it can, it can become a full message. So many times, I have these great thoughts, and, uh, and then it'll leave. It'll be gone. And they don't return. So you have to be careful, so capture them. And I'll get to that in a second, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But seed thoughts can come from a certain passage you read, uh, from a key word or a key phrase you see in Scripture. Maybe something is repeated over and over again that jumps out to you, and you think, hey, that's, that's interesting. Write it down. It could be something you're meditating on from the Bible or something that God's working on you about. And so you get your seed thought. You get, you know what, that'd be, that'd be a good lesson. That'd be, that'd be good for people to, uh, you know, people r recommend messages to me all the time. Pastor, you should preach on this. And I'm thinking, you preach on it. Develop a message. You know, if you think it's good, get something ready. And uh, Proverbs 12, 27 says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. So here's the thing. When God gives you a little thought, write it down. Don't waste that that God gave to you. Because I will tell you by experience, 
You may have a great thought that you think, man, I should teach that to my family. I could teach that in, in, a, in, a, in a class somewhere to fifth, you know, five-year-olds or uh, to fifth-grade boys and girls. You know, we should all have that of saying, I could do that if I, if I needed to. But you have that going to you, and, and, and what happens is if you do not write it down, if you do not keep track of it in some way, it's wasted. You can think and think, what was that thought again? And it just doesn't come back. And that's what I have found anyway, and what other preachers I've talked to have found. So get a seed thought. So look on the back of your sheet here real quickly. John 3.16. John 3.16 is the whole Bible in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So my seed thought, as I looked at that verse, was to see God's amazing love. God's amazing love for us. That's what I saw. When I look at the verse, you may look at the verse and see something else because there's a lot of application. But when I looked at that verse, for God so loved the world, that was my seed thought, was God's amazing love. Okay, now let's go back to the front. So you start with your Bible reading, you get a seed thought, something that's like, man, that's good. That's what I needed right there from the Bible. And then number three, you develop a main thought from the passage, a main thought from the passage. So... As you're looking, maybe you're looking at a paragraph or a chapter, you're looking at a psalm, you're looking at one verse or a key phrase or whatever, what's the main thought there? What, what is the topic about? You know, if it's be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, uh, you know, and you're thinking about kindness, okay? Well, if, if that's the thought that struck you, then you would say kindness is the main thought. Kindness, that's what I want to get from that, or whatever it may be. Uh, so what is the main thought the author is trying to get across? What is the main thought that you want to emphasize? And so as you're preparing a lesson, you're thinking that through. What, what is the main thought of this lesson? Now, you may have many ideas going on in your mind as you study Scripture. And you could have all these different things. So I could, you know, it could be about this and this and this. this. You've got to boil it down to one thing. Boil it down to one main thought. Because here's the thing. A message scattered about on a million topics helps nobody. We call them shotgun messages. We call them tomcat messages. Uh, you, you know, it just, you just shoot it and it just goes everywhere. And what I have found is that better messages are narrower in focus. And, point, and, and it may not apply to every single person, which I always try to do. But the narrow, a, a more pointed a message it is, can really help people. You know, okay, so for instance, if I preached on things not to do. Don't be bitter, don't be angry, don't sin, don't cuss, don't drink. Don't. And I had a list of 45 things. Okay, you're like, okay, I got that whole list. What if I preached a message on stop envying the world and what they get? Stop envying the fact that sinners can be rich and famous in this world. Or, you know, preaching a message on stop being bitter against your spouse. Ooh, okay, a whole message on that is going to help more than don't be this, don't be this, don't be this, don't be this, do this, do this. See what I'm saying? So uh, you boil it down. And once you've got your main thought, you're really ready to begin an outline. When I was in college, uh, I had so many papers due. Praise the Lord, I don't have to do the papers anymore. And uh, there's so many that I had to do. And I, would get, I got to the point where I started outlining them, where I would say, okay, three-page paper. Page one, I'm going to do the topic, and I'm going to do the introduction. I'm going to get into point one. And then page two, I'm going to do point one and point two. And page three, I'm going to do point three and the conclusion. And I just got, and what it did, it just really helped me not to just 
write a bunch of nonsense, but have some direction. So an outline is a good thing, and that's kind of what we're building here. So look on the back of your sheet again. The main thought, from God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the thought that I had, first of all, was God's amazing love for us, but the main thought is God loves you. That's the thought I want to get across. God loves you, and you should love him. Very simple. I boiled it down, right? So if, 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 if the thought that came to me is God's amazing love for us, by the way, that'd probably be my title because it's a cool title, God's amazing love for us. So what is the main thought of my message? What would I want to tell people about that? I would want to say God loves you, and you should love God. Okay, that's a simple way of just coming up with a main thought, all right? So let's go to the next thing on the front of the page. We're flipping back and forth, I know, but we're getting there. Number four, develop points that back up the main thought. Then you develop points that back up the main thought. Does it matter how many points you have? Only if you have too many. You ever hear anybody preach a message with 30 points? Remember I went to youth conference one year, and the pastor came up, and he had his Bible open, and he put his notes down, and he had it stapled in the top left corner, and he began flipping pages as he preached. And 22 pages later, and 25 points, and three hours, we were like, we don't care what you have to say anymore, my friend. <laughs> it's bedtime. And it's just difficult. You know, it does matter if you have too many. Oftentimes, if I have, and I'll write all points down that come to my mind and come to my heart as I'm preparing. And then oftentimes I'll just, com I'll just combine them because a lot of them are the same. A lot of the same thoughts. So um, that's one way to do that. But usually three to five, two to, two to five points is good. One main thought that you just reiterate over and over again is great. But if you're going to have points, two to five is usually good. Um, if you have 27 points, just do a series, all right? Good night. That's just too much. But make sure your points back up the main point. And I'm preaching that with a message that has seven points, okay? So stop judging me. I can tell right now. Somebody said each point should drive home the same nail, but just from a different angle. Okay, that's very true. So keep the points similar in structure and meaning. You'll notice a lot of times on Sunday morning, a lot of my points will begin with the same letter. They don't have to do that. Or they'll end with ing, or they'll start with something that, that's similar. I try to do that. It's easier to remember, but you don't have to. But try not to have full sentences or complicated wording. But uh, just keep your points simple. Have some points that back up the main thought. Okay, flip your page over. Let's fill in a couple of these blanks here. All right? So my, my text is John 3.16. My seed thought is God's amazing love for us. Now, why don't you go ahead and just turn to John 3, 16 in your, in your Bible so that you can have it open. I don't want to just keep quoting it. I want you to see it there so that we can see how these thoughts came to be. And I know I'm taking, an, I'm taking the most famous verse in all the Bible. Um, I've, I've never preached the message here that I came up with, okay? I literally just came up with this for this lesson. I wanted to show you that, that you can do this with any text. It was, the, it was just the text that I felt led to do. And I uh, tried to give you a simple one as well. But God's amazing love, that could be one theme from it. That, that I, that, that's the seed thought that I got. God loves you and you love him. And I'm going to try to say that in some convincing ways. That's my main thought. So my points, now you could do different points. You could say how to show your love to God. You could say, uh, you know, why does God love us? Uh, you, you could say it in many different ways. But I chose how do we know God loves us? Or how, how can we know God's love? And so my thoughts, first of all, number one, if you want to fill it in, he said it. He said it. 
For God so loved the world. He's telling us. He's telling us right there that he loves the world. So, and then if you'll notice, uh, I'm going to give you all the points and then we'll come back and you'll see the underneath parts in a minute. So first of all, he said it. Secondly, he showed it. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. So he showed it. But then number three, he also shared it. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to explain those in just a minute, but I wanted you to see how that all looks. Okay? So those are my main thoughts. I looked through that text, and I asked myself questions about the text. I saw God's amazing love for us, for me, and then I thought, well, <clears throat> how can I know God's love? How can I tell somebody else about God's love? How did he communicate it? He said it. He says right there, God so loved the world. That's God. He said that, okay? Then he shared it. Uh, uh, he showed it by sacrificing, Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross, God sending his son. And then the last thought was he shared it. It just, it just logically flowed as I approached that scripture, gave it a little bit of thought and where it all was going. And those are the three thoughts that came. Go back to the front and let's look at the next part here. So you develop the main points. And number five, you explain the blank there. You illustrate and you apply every point. You explain, you illustrate, and you apply every point. Very briefly, let's go through this. Do I need to tell you what explanation means? You know. I'm not going to explain explanation, okay? But, but let me just say this. Explain what the Bible means and what it means to everybody, what, it, what your point is. Explain your point. What do you mean by that? Uh, you know, no one should leave saying, I have no idea what he's talking about, what she was talking about. They should know what you're trying to say. Make people understand. Make sure they understand what you're trying to get across. You explain the Bible, what the verse is saying, what it means, and how you got your point from it. Then you give an illustration. Okay, what's an illustration? What does it do? Illustrations are stories that shed light on the truth you're explaining. They help us see the truth in a way that we understand. I'll show you some examples in a minute. I've used several illustrations in this very message, okay? <clears throat> and, then, and, and by the way, illustrations are not just stories for the sake of giving stories. Oh, this message could use a story. It has nothing to do with the message, but I'm just going to say it. That's not a good illustration, okay? Number next, where do you find them? Everywhere. On the news. I find a lot of illustrations with my kids. Um, I, I, from your personal life, from your history. Uh, from TV, from the, from the newspaper, if anybody ever reads that anymore. Uh, you know, everywhere, in nature, um, from articles you read, from books you read, you can find illustrations every single place you look. So explain, illustrate to help people understand the truth better, and then apply, application. Now, I think you ought to apply it to yourself first so that it really sinks in. And then you can apply it to who might be listening if you ever do teach that lesson, Okay. Ask, your, ask, ask questions of yourself, like, do I do this? Am I guilty of blah, blah, blah? Have I ever thought? Ask questions like that that really help. You know, and, and then when you're talking, or, or if you are teaching, you ask questions that help it apply. You'll notice at the end of every single message I preach, and even at the end of this message, you'll find questions like, do you, are you, you know, and it could be, do you struggle with anger? Or, or have you said something to your spouse or kids this week you shouldn't have? Are you living with peace in your heart? Have you given the gospel to somebody? And so what is that doing? It's applying it. 
It's saying, hey, all this stuff I just gave you, now I'm coming right at you with it. Okay, So that's the difference there. Do you? Are you? How is, how is your walk with God? How is your Bible reading? Have you ever blah, blah, blah? Those are type of questions that you ask yourself when you're reading the Bible. And if you're teaching, you ask of the audience to help them apply it to their lives. Oftentimes, you can preach a message, teach a lesson, and they'll think, oh, that's great information. You want them to say, I need to change. That's what you want. You want that, okay? Number, uh, so let's go back to the back side real quickly here again, and we're almost to the end. So underneath, he said it. I took the phrase there, for God so loved the world. Okay, that was, he told us in the Bible that he wrote for all ages to be written down that he loves us. Are you a part of the world? Yeah, you are. So in other words, God loves you. Okay, I have other references there of where God said he loves us. So he loves us because we're part of the world. God tells us that all throughout scripture. So I'm explaining that part. He said it. He said he loves us. Is God a man of his word? Yeah, he is. So all of that is backing up my main thought, my main point. And so you can use all of that to back up what you just said, what's the main point of he said it. The illustration I would use is I would tell the story of the first time I told my wife that I loved her. And, uh, and, and uh, now talk about how now I say it every day. I don't have time to give a full illustration right now, but it's the best illustration you've ever heard in your life. Anyway, but, um, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, no, first of all, I, I don't just expect my wife to know that. I told her when we were dating, I love you. And it was a big deal. And then now every single day I tell her, I love you. I, I'm saying it. It's important to say things. So all of that, it goes into my thought there. And then the application, God said he loves you. Do you tell God you love him? When's the last time you said, Jesus, I love you. God, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. If no one else in the world today is telling you that they love you, God, I want you to know I love you. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. You can't do anything to change. I love you. Tell him, okay? He said it. Number two, he showed it. The explanation, okay, for God so loved the world, that's him saying it, that he gave. That's him showing it. He showed his love in that he gave it, his son for us. He showed his love for us when he sent his son to die for our sins. His sacrifice shows that he loves us. For God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that was his demonstration of his love was Jesus dying on the cross. And then Ephesians 5.25 talks about husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's my explanation. You could go further on in that, absolutely. My illustration. You know, in, in marriage, I can't just say I love my wife. I have to show it every day. One thing, you got to say it, but you got to show it. So you'll see the illustration there of Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. Many of you know that about me. That's why I got a couple gift cards on my birthday for Dairy Queen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, but uh, I also love new cars and fancy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, uh, I got to, we went to Dairy Queen recently after my birthday, and someone gave us a gift card, and I love Dairy Queen. If they had one here close by, I would keep them in business. But anyway, I, uh, I got an ice cream cone. I got a, a swirl cone, a big one. And normally I go with the Reese's Blizzard, but I was feeling different that day, so I got the swirl cone. And, uh, and I don't know how you feel about cones, but when I feel like the best part of a cone is the first bite of the ice cream, the first lick of the ice cream, and then the last part the bottom of that cone, some of you are like, mm, we're going Dairy Queen tonight, hon. All right, wonderful, buy me a cone, all right? But uh, that last little nugget at the bottom there, for, it's like a little honeycomb pattern or something. No, it's not, it's just straight back and forth. And it, it gets all kind of a little bit crunchy, a little bit soggy with the ice cream. It is the best part. My wife and I know this. 
And so when we went to Dairy Queen a couple weeks ago, I was getting to the end, and I was like, babe, look at this, the very best part. And she goes, can I have it? I took my ring off. No, I'm kidding. I was like, uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I said, yeah, you can have it. And I was like shaking, getting ready to whip the car back around and go back and get another one. No, but she's like, no, I'm just playing. And I was like, praise the Lord. But you know what I felt like? I felt like I sacrificed. I felt like she should be like, wow, I knew you loved me, but I didn't know you loved me that much, okay? That's an illustration. That's a simple, silly illustration that I put in there to say, hey, love is sacrifice, okay? So that's what the illustration does. It keeps people's attention, first of all, but it also helps to say, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. So that's true love, all right? The fact that I offer that to my wife, that is true love. My kids would have been like, Dad, can I have it? Like, no way, <laughs> you know? But true love was there, all right? <laughs> he said it, he showed it. Number three, he shared it. The explanation, that whosoever believeth on him, God shared his love with the whole world. He said whosoever, anybody. He didn't say, I'm choosing who gets to have this and who doesn't. That's Calvinism. He didn't, I don't believe that at all. He didn't say that. He said, here, you, anybody. And Romans 17, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there's no one excluded from God's love. There's no one excluded from being able to partake in God's love. He shared it with everybody. He shared it so that everybody could have the chance to know Christ as Savior. The illustration I would use is my testimony. I would talk about how my mom cared enough about me to share the gospel with me. She didn't just say, that's great news for me. No, she said, you know what, I love my son, so I'm going to share it with him, too. And so the application, um, you know, of, of showing it, by the way, is God showed his love. Do you say that you love him, or do you show that you love him? Because God said, Jesus said in John 15, 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So the first thought, the application was, do you tell God you love him? The second thought, the application was, do you say that you love him? And you should, but do you also show him? by keeping his commandments. You see, that's pointed. The third thought there of he shared it, I would talk about my mom and the testimony, and then I would say, are you telling others that God loves them? Are you sharing his love with other people? So what I've done is I've taken that thought, and I have made it personal, and I've said, look what God has done. God's an amazing love. And then I said, what are you doing with it? So now it's a very personal thing. It's not just nebulous, like, oh, it's just out there, and if you want to take part, you can. No, it's now, are you telling God this? Are you doing this? Have you done this? And so that is much more pointed, okay? Go back to the front of your sheet. Let's finish up quickly here. Make sure, number six, make sure you find Christ and the gospel in every message because he's there. He's on every page of scripture. Make sure you find him. Make sure he finds his way into your message. Whatever lesson, make sure you find Christ in the gospel. John 3, 16, it's not hard to find him. He's there, okay? The gospel's right there. And so uh, it's for, someone reported that Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, he chooses a text and then finds the shortest path to the cross. That's where he's at. That's where he's headed, the cross every time. And I try to, add, I try to have the cross in every message. Why? I believe in Christ-centered preaching. Christ is the one that's going to help people. Jesus is the answer. In society, oh, we need this, we need that. No, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And so that's what I'm going to try to give people every week, pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to him in a different way, different shape, so they see him differently, but he's the answer. And then number seven, 
Be clear on what decisions should be made. Be clear on what decisions should be made. If you aren't clear on it, nobody else will be either. You have to be clear. You ever hear a message without a point? They get done and they're like, you know, they, and I just think, you know, this is what God is saying. Okay, let's pray. And you're like, what was the point? I've heard messages like that. I've probably preached messages like that, you know, especially younger, where it was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Sometimes you ever walk out of a class in school and you're like, I'll never use that in my life. You know, what was the point of learning that? And I think when it comes to the Bible, if you're going to tell something, look, make sure you know where you're going. You know, there are some people that, that uh, they don't have a point. They just stand up to teach. They have no outline. They don't study. There's no preparation. They just tell stories. That's not teaching. That's story time with you. Okay? That's not teaching. It, you know, I'm just going to tell stories. That'll keep everybody's attention. That, you're not teaching anything. Teach the Bible. And so have something ready and prepared and be clear on what you want people to do at the end. Okay? Um, always ask yourself, what decision needs to be made? Here's an important one that I wish I had more time to get into. Don't just tell people what to do. Tell them why and how to do it. So much preaching is, here's what you need to do. And then if someone says, but why? It's like, well, how dare you, you heathen, stop asking. No, if you're preaching something, you better be able to tell why and how. I don't want to just say, all right, everybody, go win souls. What? Okay, it, 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 why, first of all, if you're, new to, if you're new to church, but then secondly, how? And so there has to be, that's real teaching. That's real teaching, okay? And so once you've done that, you give an invitation for people to respond, which is what we do. And, and you give instructions of what you want people to do. All right, let's look on the back side one more time, then we'll come back to this side and we'll be done. So the sample outline exercise, again, this took me like 15 minutes to do. It, it, I've, I've been doing it a lot, though. I know it's going to take other people longer to do something like this. The decision there at the end, what do I want people to do? What do I need to do? Okay, I want to thank God for his love. I want people to thank God for his love. And, and there's a lot. And you can choose one to focus on, or you can choose a couple. Um, tell God I love him more. Okay, so if I'm preaching that to somebody else, I'd say, you know, I'd preach to them to tell God they love him more. Have you told Jesus you love him today? Will you tell him tomorrow? Will you tell him the next day? Will you tell him when you go through that trial next week? Will you tell Jesus you love him then? And so now I'm applying it to their life. Okay? Show him I love him by keeping his commandments. Um, I'm applying that to, to myself as I'm reading it, but you can apply it to others if you're teaching it. Show, will you show God you love him? How? By keeping his commandments. Share his love and gospel with others. Will you do that? If God shared the gospel with you, it wasn't just for you to keep. You need to share it with others, too. So you see, I've made, I've boiled down to some decisions there, and I've given people some choices. Will you do this? Are you going to do that? And so that's how it is. That's, that's, that's a very simplistic way of putting together a lesson. Now, here is an exercise for you. And you don't have to turn this in. You're not getting a grade on it or anything. But if you want to practice, I left a simple template here for you. And I gave you two verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Very famous verses. So if you'd like to do this exercise, I encourage you to go home. Get a seed thought. 
what's your seed thought? You know, where for, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's the verse about um, there, there's a great cloud of witnesses, and let us run with patience the race set before us, laying aside every weight, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, it was for the joy that was set before him. Uh, you, you know, it, it, all of that verse there, all those two verses, you can find something in there and say, that's what my seed thought is. That's what God's speaking to me about. And then you come up with, okay, what is the main thought I would want to get across in a lesson? And you put that main thought down in a simplistic form. And then, do you have any points from it? Is there something that backs up your main thought? Okay, looking unto Jesus, okay? Is there something there? Okay, well, I need to lay aside some weights if I'm going to do that. Whatever it may be. You, you, and you don't have to have five points. You can have two, you can have three, you can have four, you can have whatever you want. And then you write down an explanation. If an illustration comes to your mind that backs it up, you don't have to write one down, but I think it'd be a good thing. And then you apply it. And then at the end, you can write down what decision should I make and what decision do I, would I want someone else to make after hearing this lesson? And if you do that, and you do it again and again, you will be very good at teaching. Uh, you'll be very good at developing an outline, learning how to teach. And so just a thought for you there. I wanted to leave something with you where you could take home and practice it, okay? So I've given you an example. If you want to take it and do it differently, that's great. But I think we need to learn to use this. So on the front side, the, the, my, my applications for you at the bottom, I wrote them down for you like I do every week. Are you willing to let God use you to teach others? That's one question I have for you. And then if you are, which you should be, then start preparing now. Maybe start learning every once in a while, do a lesson. If God speaks to you from the Bible, just write an outline down about it and say, okay, I can write a couple points about this. They don't have to, they don't have to uh, uh, be perfect and, and be every letter the same. You know, starting, just write down some thoughts. And then the last question, how will you use the tools given here to help your personal Bible study? Those are the two things I want you to think about as you go home. It's been a privilege to teach on this about digging into the Word of God. If you have any questions, if I can help in any way, Please let me know. I really do want to help you with that. Father, thank you so much for tonight. I pray, God, that you would help tonight to be a catalyst in some people's lives to get them used to maybe...